Hey, I'm Nicole, a digital marketing services expert for entrepreneurs and your host of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. On this show, we are going to be pulling back the curtain on how to create the lifestyle of your dreams. I created my dream lifestyle through working online, creating a business that lights me up every single day, traveling the globe, and generating wealth. On this show, we will deep dive into all of these topics and so much more. I have created my own online business from literally zero after discovering my passion for online business and my non-complacency for working for somebody else in a nine to five job. On this podcast, I will be sharing everything I have learned and everything I'm still learning because how I got to where I am today should not be kept a secret. It's your time to love your work, build your wealth, and create the lifestyle of your dreams. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. So on today's episode, we have a very special guest who I can actually relate to quite a bit in her situation Uh, And we are going to talk about some really interesting nomad expat topics and also a little bit about dating as an expat or a digital nomad. So let's dive into it. I am going to introduce you to Joss. Joss has been living as an expat and a nomad for over 19 years, living in eight different countries and nine cities at this time. She currently lives in Siem Reap in Cambodia, where she started her dating blog telling stories about her search for the elusive Mr. Right. Joss, it's so excellent to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Nicole. (laughs) Absolutely. So let's get started by you telling us your story in your own words, where you're from, how you made the decision to move abroad and the decision to become an expat and also where to live. Why Cambodia? Why the other countries that you've lived in? Oh, wow. Okay. So going back more than 19 years, um, well, it started with a breakup, really. Um, My ex and I were going to go to Australia on a holiday and we split up and I still wanted to go. So I got that uh, one year working holiday visa and I had a best friend living there. So that was kind of like the idea was to see her and travel. And um, yeah, I got the one year open return tickets and I moved to Australia and that was in January, 2003. And uh, basically not long after being there, I realized that that was kind of where either I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. And that living in Canada just really wasn't my thing anymore. So after a year in Australia, um, I actually had to go back to Canada to get my next visa. You couldn't do this online. You have to think if this is now 2004. And so I got another working holiday. And that led me to New Zealand in part so that I could be close to my best friend in Australia. Um, I was actually sponsored there to stay. But I wanted to do more travel. So I got another working holiday visa, which led me to Europe. Um, That also was in part to be near my best friend who was going to be traveling and living there with her partner. 
Um, she was moving to, they were moving to London that same in 2006. So I ended up getting a working holiday visa for the Netherlands. Um, I then lived in the Canary Islands um, and really just wanting to stay in Europe and loving it and staying near my, close to my best friend. I just looked at working holiday visas that a Canadian could get. And so often having to return back to Canada for those, but I did another one for Ireland. I did another working holiday visa for Germany and I did a working holiday visa for the Czech Republic. Wow, that is a very extensive list. So when you were doing these working holiday visas, what was the work you were doing? Uh, that was always in hospitality, actually. So the first time I ever worked in hospitality was in Australia in 2003. And I'm super clumsy. So I didn't even think this is something I could do. Um, but um, one of the bars in the city I kind of liked in Australia was hiring. And I basically they give you a two hour free trial, like two hour unpaid trial, and you just have a go at it. And I loved it and they loved me. Part of my um, trial, they said, hey, do you wanna dance on the bar like a Kyrie ugly girl and get the party started? And I said, hell yeah, and I got the job. So yeah I, I, yeah, I worked in hospitality first in bartending and then in service. So I was bartending or waitressing. Um, all of that time um, through Australia, New Zealand, and Europe, yeah. and after. Wow. wow, that's amazing. And so now, currently, you are in CM Reap, and tell us about how you identify as an expat or a nomad, and what you are doing there. And I know we were talking before the show about COVID, you know, maybe changing things a little bit for you. So then you can touch on that as well, because I think everyone has their own COVID story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after Europe, um, I actually returned back to Vancouver for a year. I had a whole bunch of weddings to attend. I managed to actually get another working holiday visa for New Zealand. And I was there for three and a half years and I was sponsored, but I got very burnt out. So I decided to do my TEFL was looking at Thailand and a friend of a friend had actually lived in Cambodia teaching English. So that was really a completely, yeah, at like didn't even occur to me where was Cambodia and knew nothing about it. And I literally with very little research moved to Cambodia to teach English. And that was in April, 2016 um, with the intention to give myself at least a minimum of six months to really try it. And it's a developing country. Um, I'd never been to a developing country and lived, I'd never lived in a developing country before. All my other um, places I'd lived had been um, a lot more westernized and a lot more, um, more, yeah. So yeah, it's been um, interesting, uh, especially the dating sites, that <laughs> um, it's been great for some English teaching jobs. And but then I also decided that I wanted more flexibility with travel. So I decided to move online teaching and that actually coincided exactly with COVID. So I had the decision essentially pretty much two years ago, it would have been March, April, 2020. Do I stay in Cambodia um, and teach online or do I, do I return to Canada? You know, what is kind of the safest place or the best option, the smartest. And I decided that um, really where I was at was 
was the best option for me at the time. The cost of living was good. I had a house already. I still had pets. So it just seemed like the most viable option at the time and probably the smartest and even maybe safest to stay. And in the end, it was. Um, I think it absolutely was um, a 100% fantastic um, decision to make. I'm super, super happy that I did because um, Cambodia uh, was, was affected financially and economically by COVID, but um, we weren't hit in the same capacity with our cases. Um, so it was a very, very different lifestyle that we had here um, compared to a lot of other, especially Western countries and how, um, what was happening there. So we were very, very lucky in how many things were handled, how the, our lifestyle was. So it was a, it was a good decision. Yeah, that's really great. I actually made the decision to go back to Canada, not really realizing that because I was in China at the time. So it all started there. Um, and then traveling for Chinese New Year, I was kind of traveling through uh, Asia. So instead of going back to China, I went back to Canada. And in the short term, good decision. In the long term, not so much. Um, <laughs> but that's a whole nother podcast episode to get yeah. into. Um, so I'm curious, before we get into the elusive Mr. Right and the dating scene, what is the everyday life like in Siem Reap in Cambodia? I have been to Cambodia, but I've been to, um, actually, I believe it was Siem Reap. I was thinking Phnom Penh, but I believe it was Siem Reap. And that city is so amazing, but I also feel like mm. it can be very touristy. And probably the side yeah. that I saw for, you know, being there for one week was the tourist mm -hmm. side. So Absolutely. what is the... The real, you've lived there for years. What does real life look like for you as an expat? And this is your home in Cambodia. Yeah, I mean, it's it definitely, you know, the first four years I lived here was was definitely tourists, although we have our peak seasons. And your peak seasons is generally December, January, February. And that's because it's the dry season and the cool season. So it's not too hot. You know, there's no rain, it's not too humid. So it's one of those really kind of bearable travel times for a lot of people to come. Um, and except for unless you're going to the temples um, in those three months or sunset or sunrise, potentially, you know, the rest of the year. I don't know, you would meet tourists out and about, but it, I don't think it, it probably um, affected anything I did um, or changed or or whatnot. It just was kind of a way of life. And I also moved here from Queenstown, New Zealand, which also was a tourist town. You know, it had its ski season, it had its summer season of adventure. So I, I guess I am also pretty used to that um, concept. And um, yeah, and, but this is a town that, that literally, I think it's 95% of the people of the locals work in hospitality or tourism. So this town does live and breathe it. This is where the people, the Cambodians are, are really, this is where they're going to be able to have the jobs and careers. So it's a huge, huge factor for this town on that, on that level of, of economy. So, um, and yeah, but then really our borders got shut like many countries and that changed a lot of things. Um, and this town was devastated. Uh, the loss of tourism here was crippling, crippling to the locals. It was horrible. It was really, really bad. Um, that could be a whole nother episode, really. It was just, 
um, yeah, to bear witness to it, it was just, yeah, pretty inconceivable. Um, the, the food security issues and stuff, you know, where I think that, um, you know, as I said, uh, you know, we didn't have the levels of sicknesses and deaths with COVID that, you know, people had, obviously, you know, it, what we had is what, um, really was a loss of tourism with COVID that affected, um, the local economy to such an extreme level that there was people who, um, you know, they didn't know where their next meal would come from and they didn't know if they could pay the rent. And that's, you know, that's what you saw. Um, and then now our borders have opened up again in the middle of November. So we're starting to see a trickle back in and things coming back to life. Um, but beyond that, as like expat and stuff, this is like continually chasing summer. It's amazing. I mean, it's, what is it? It's in the afternoon right now and the temperature is, I don't know, probably 32 degrees, 32 wow. Celsius yeah. in March. Wow. 32, 32 Celsius, uh, 50% humidity feels like 36. So we're building into our, we're slowly building into our hot season. Wow. And rainy season. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, when I'm, when I'm not working, I'm spending day at the, days at the pool or I'm working, I'm working poolside. Wow. So that's amazing. There's, there's no beaches here. There's no beaches here, but yeah, it's, um, it's a small town kind of accessible feel. I have a bicycle. I ride my bicycle everywhere to the supermarket. Um, so it's just super easy to get around, no traffic, great weather, almost the entire year round, sometimes some rain sometimes some crazy hot temperatures of 40 degrees Celsius, but yeah, pretty, pretty amazing lifestyle, pretty relaxed. Wow. Yeah. And if you've been there so. for so long, you must really love it. And I, I can even attest for my short time there. It was an amazing town, um, city. So let's dive into, you have a blog all about finding Mr. Right. So tell us more about that and your search as an expat for Mr. Right. Yeah, I think um, I, it didn't, you know, if I, I haven't had the search always, you know, it's an expat for and moving around for um, almost for more than 19 years. You know, like um, I had a boyfriend in Australia in 2003, four, and you know, my visa was up, I had to go. And you know, I was kind of pretty jaded about dating after that, because I didn't want to keep connecting um, in a relationship in that capacity and get getting hurt. So I was very anti-dating for, I don't know, like how many years after that? 10? I would say probably at least 10. There was just no way that I was interested in, in really you know, meeting someone to that level. The odd person, if, you know, I, you know, I definitely, there was one, oh, there's one guy I met in the Canary Islands and that was pretty amazing. We had four, four dates in three countries in a month, you know, so definitely some exceptions to the rules, but it was, yeah, I, I was pretty protective of my heart um, and making those kind of attachments and, and getting hurt. And finally, moving to New Zealand um, in the end of 2012, 
um, it probably was still a couple of years after that where I started thinking about putting myself out there more and connecting on that level and, and really dating. And that was kind of the evolution of things like Tinder, which I was pretty against in the beginning. Um, but then I kind of realized, well, if, if I guess I want to meet someone and date, this is kind of the way. And so coming to Cambodia was kind of the same thing. Um, and I went through my ups and downs of it. Uh, I really struggled with dating here. I've struggled with find, trying to find the right person. Um, it's, a, you know, there's a great expat community, but people come and go all the time. So you're not necessarily finding those long-term relationships here. Um, there's certainly, yeah, that nomadic type. So I really got down on it um, and, and kind of almost gave up. I think it was like in 2018, I, I really just almost gave up on finding someone because I just found it so difficult um, to meet people, to really meet people here. You know, there was tourists in town for a day or two and a lot of the expats weren't interested in dating or they weren't staying. So it was very hard to kind of feel like I was making those connections. And then in 2019, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I kind of just thought if I don't try, I'm not going to find someone and I need to change my mindset and be more positive about like putting myself out there. And so I really did. I started going on a huge amount of dates, probably like four a month. In February, 2019, I went on 10 dates with four guys in 10 days, sometimes two dates in a day with two different guys. Because I just, yeah, I kind of just thought if I'm not putting myself out there, how can I meet someone? And I just need to give these people chances. And it doesn't matter if they're in town for two days. It doesn't matter if they're in town for a month. It doesn't matter if they live here because how else am I potentially finding that person that, you know, I'd like to really travel with more than anything. I'd like to have that partner in crime to travel the world with. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, I've done a lot of solo traveling, a lot. I move countries by myself. I don't need a man, but I kind of think it would be nice to, you know, like share that experience with someone and do that together. Um, so yeah, I started really just going full out dating, like at least one a week, sometimes three a week. Just, yeah. And then I just decided to start writing about it, really to like tell my girlfriends about it. You know, like if we were having a glass of wine and they wanted to know how my date was, oh, okay, this happened. And that's kind of how the blog started. Wow. So does your blog serve as an inspiration to some other female expats, do you know, who maybe are in a similar situation or have given up on dating as an expat or really want to find that Mr. Right? I don't know. I, I hope so. I mean, when I first started writing it, I definitely probably tried, I tried to always keep it super, super lighthearted. So like, it was more probably just to really entertain my friends in the beginning. Um, but seem rape's pretty small. So to kind of put that online and share it, um, there was no one else. There's no one else here doing that. Um, so whether you saw me on a date or not, now you know. 
um, and you probably know where I was. And yeah, so I kind of, you know, not to, you know, like use the name or whatever, but yeah, I like I've had the odd friend say it's, you know, the CM Reap sex in the city, you know, type of thing. Like, and I don't, yeah. It, so um, yeah, if friends say that, I'll take that as a compliment. I'm like, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's, it is, you know, like I try and they're my stories. Um, they're my stories of the dates I've been on and, you know, they're fun or the guys are hot or, you know, like they, there's a second date. There isn't a second date. Um, sometimes it's my, and then I, I guess, you know, I was only, I was only, um, not very long into that I'd only started writing it in June 2019 and you know COVID really started hitting us you know February March April so then it became well who am I dating who am I dating in CM Reap now that how many people have left and how many people can't come so the pool of people to date just became like it felt like no one it felt like no one it felt like there was three guys I could go on a date with and then I messaged my friends and we'd find out if we went on the same date with the same three people like it really just it was that um so I think you know like my writing style changed of of that because you know still searching for that person but feeling like my options were really limited so I think it was around that time I styled became a lot more vulnerable on um, really kind of what I was wanting from dates and, um, you know, a future and, and, you know, admitting my romanticizing of things and super, super vulnerable. So I think most of the pieces have probably taken that turn and been a lot more vulnerable than they have been, um, you know, more that like lighthearted sense. But they're, they're all true, you know, like it's still wanting to find the one that's, you know, makes all those rest of those dates worthwhile, right? That's kind of where it's at. Yeah, so. I totally understand that. So I think the question definitely on my mind and I'm sure on other people's mind and you have to share is what has been your worst date? I haven't even oh god I haven't even wrote about it I mean I would say like there's two there's two I tried to write about and I just felt like oh, this sounds so serious and whatever um I mean there was definitely I had a bad date in CM Rape where um the guy was staying at a hotel and it had a pool and so many places here do that I was just like oh why don't we meet for a swim do you know like it wasn't to go to his hotel it was because it was a beautiful afternoon and 35 degrees out and swimming. And he was just really aggressive in his advances. Um, within, I think, 15 minutes, he had his hand on my leg, um, kept inviting me up to his room. And it was a really uncomfortable situation that I felt, um, I don't know, it's, it's hard to put into words because I don't know. I'm not sure if it's, it's being a woman, but like, I, 
I felt like I had to stay to not be rude. And we were outside and it was a public space. So there was, you know, the odd other person and there was employees around. And so I should have removed myself much, much sooner. But there was something about feeling like that, that I that I would have been rude if I left so soon. So it, it was, and I don't know, I'm not sure if it's like that. Uh, I don't know what that was about. Um, yeah, so that was probably the worst. That was probably the very worst state I had because I actually felt, um, I didn't feel, I felt uncomfortable. It, does, it takes quite a, I felt extremely uncomfortable. Um, yeah, and then, so that was probably the worst. Yeah. Wow. That is, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've had quite a few dates that are not quite up to par, but mm. yeah, that's really unfortunate. And whenever I hear stories like that, I always just think, you know, it's so unfortunate that some men take, you know, a swim or going to your hotel as something else when it's really yeah. it's just so hot outside and we all have pools so let's enjoy them um yeah and yeah I mean it's just I don't know if other people can relate you know when you don't live in a country where you know going to the pool or the beach is is really like your second nature but mm -hmm. you know like I guess I could have invited him to a, a different pool or something but he had one and I just I really didn't mean it in a sense and and I don't know that he would have done, but he just jumped on that. He just jumped on that you're here. And I think, you know, maybe just the thing to take away from that is like, you know, it's, it's each to their own with women. But I think just, you know, when you meet men in public spaces is probably always the smartest and safest option. Um, and, you know, again, and I live in a town now that it's pretty small and I know a lot of people and there's a pretty good chance that I'm going to um, run into someone I know doesn't matter what venue we go to. So, and that's fine. Um, you know, so I think it's just kind of, um, yeah, having your, your wherewithal with you and kind of, um, yeah, trying to keep them to public spaces and stuff and at least to gauge, at least to get that initial gauging. Cause if yeah. he had tried that, if he had tried that and we had met in a bar and he had tried that in 15 minutes, like I, I definitely, I think I would have walked out. I'm not, or, or maybe signal to him, you know, the bartender who I knew or some, I'm not sure, you know, but some. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand that. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, so to kind of end off here, do you have any last words, anything that you want to say to either nomads, expats, um, regarding the expat dating scene? What is one thing you would kind of like to leave as a parting note on the show? Um, I don't know, like I think like travel I feel is my whole life. So I feel like all I am is as I'm just in this, like I'm just on a hiatus at the moment. Um, and I'm back into dating and I'm just, I think kind of just making the best of it. You know, like when you have your, your goals, whether that's, you know, travel or to date or to, to have a um, change careers or do a business, you know, like I think um, should, just go for it and do it for sure. And, you know, like, I know sometimes it's scary um, to put yourself out there in these situations, but yeah, I think um, be strong, go to it, put yourself out there, try something new, go to a new place, meet a new person, 
go on a date, you know, it's not that scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And that's the thing. I think a lot of people think dates are scary things and you don't know who you're going to be meeting and where and what will happen. And but honestly, a lot of the dates that I have been on, they're always fun. And once you get past that yeah. initial like two minutes of meeting the person, then it's so much fun after that. For sure. I have very few where I feel like that wasted like an hour of my life, you know, just because we don't have a second date or wasn't in a connection. It's, it's still great. Like in the end of the day, I just, I, I feel like it really is just the stepping stone to wherever I have to be. And if I'm not going to put myself out there, then, you know, hiding in my room, in my house, that doesn't get me anywhere. Mm-hmm. That doesn't get me anything. So if I'm not going to put myself out there and, you know, meet people and, and do these things, then, you know, how's it going to happen essentially, or at least that's what I feel like. So yeah, it's, there's always positive experiences to come out of those. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're, yeah. they're, wor- they're worth more than, you know, than they're not, than they're not. Exactly. Yeah. I totally agree. Put yourself out there. Don't, you know, sit around in your room thinking about it, just go for it and just do it. So thank you so much, Joss, for being on this episode. I think that listeners will really enjoy your insights on being an expat, especially for so long. You really have a lot of information to offer about that, doing it for now 19 years, which is amazing. And your expat expat dating. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your insights on this show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been another episode of Work, Wealth, and Travel. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's really interesting to talk to somebody who has been an expat for 19 years. That is so unheard of. I personally have never heard of somebody doing it for almost two decades around, you know, the millennium, which was really interesting to get her take and amazing to meet another expat and nomad who is traveling the world and I mean finding Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, just finding love in general on the road is not an easy task. So I think it's something that is good to talk about and normalize because I think a lot of people are trying to find that but might feel like they don't want to share that with the world. That's too personal. So I really appreciate Joss coming on to the show and sharing her experiences and being completely open and honest about it. So Joss's website, areyoumymrwright.com, is linked down below if you want to check out her blog as it's been called the Sex in the City of CM Reap. If you want to chat with me, you have any questions about the podcast or just want to talk, reach out to me on Instagram at Nomad Neeks, also on Facebook at Nomad Neeks. Thank you so much for joining in this episode today, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye.